What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, man, I had a breakfast sandwich made at home, gluten-free English muffin, a little avocado, two eggs, scrambled like a mini omelet, and then a little chipotle mayo on it. I'm smiling because I have cereal in the morning. And part of it is just like, I don't know if I could muster the mental effort it would take to get all that together. You completely can. It's very, I mean, it's a system now. But I love sitting down and having breakfast. I I love sitting down to breakfast and eating it too. I don't like the part about making it. That's why I just pour the cereal into the bowl and sit down. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit through conversations with extraordinary people. We talk about all aspects of life here, imposter syndrome, breaking free from the script, living with intention, boundaries with family, what it means to be vulnerable, and the fact that we're all really just making this up as we go along. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today I'm joined by Emily Drake. She is a daughter, licensed therapist, and CEO of the Collective Academy, which is a career in leadership development organization. And you haven't always been with the Collective Academy. I understand, maybe it was, maybe it was your own LinkedIn post or something, but you were, I read somewhere in 2008, you leave your career in public relations. So you used to be in PR back in the day. And this is what caught my eye. You left your career in public relations without a plan. <laughs> And that scared me, not because I'm not spontaneous, I'm very spontaneous, but I think you, when you were writing it, you intentionally wanted to let me know you left without a plan. So Mm. why did you leave and why did you not have a plan? I mean, this is really where, where the rebirth begins. Uh, I like starting there. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. Uh, the Emily, I'm, I am someone who identifies as a recovering perfectionist and I've made a lot of progress. I'm 41. Um, there's something really beautiful about being in this decade of my life. I really think I'm the best I've ever been. But at that, at that point, I was really um, in a transition that then put me into a mental space that can only sort of be described as a breakdown. Um, and I was in an, in an industry that, you know, client services has a fair amount of stress. I think back, back then, uh, working in PR, um, it was, uh, uh, an industry sort of fraught with like on demand, you need to be available at all times. And I had wonderful supervisors that I still talk to to this day. And then I had a couple that, you know, between my insecurity and, you know, maybe their insecurity, which looked like bullying. Um, it was just sort of a mashup that broke me down. And I had a series of panic attacks in a high rise that I was working in on Michigan Avenue. And my husband at the time and my mom actually intervened. And they said, you're going to leave this job. Um, I had gained and lost 50 pounds in the span of a couple of months. Um, I wasn't sleeping. And again, I'm careful not to blame the organization. You know, the industry is what it is. And, you know, lots of people thrive in it. Um, But it was sort of this convergence of like, 
uh, a convergence of crises. And we're talking a lot about crisis now, right? Never wasting a good one. And, um, you know, I, I bottomed out and I was really sort of helped to recreate my life from that point, thanks to people I loved. So it was it was a, a deep anxiety and depression, Tim, that sent me into <laughs> not having a plan. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can relate. Oh, <laughs> I can yeah. relate to one part of this. Um, I worked at a PR agency for about two years back in the day, and what you said about the lifestyle, I'll never forget. My manager brought me into the conference room one day and said, "Tim, not everybody leaves at five p.m. every day." And he was kind of insinuating, like, why are you leaving at 5 p.m. every day? And to your point, like, I understood the agency lifestyle and I thought this job's not for me. I hold nothing against all you people. You all enjoy this. I don't know why you all enjoy this, but you do. And mm-hmm. that's cool. So I I get that. Mm-hmm. But so you are, I'm interested. It's It always fascinates me how we, it's so great that you had your husband at the time, your mother and your support staff, staff, you're the you're Madame President here, your support <laughs> <right>. system around <laughs> you saying, you know, or looking out for you and saying, hey, you know, you need to, we, we can help you. It's always fascinating to me, like, and maybe it's just not possible how we can't, you know, maybe we have the tunnel vision or we're unable to, we're in the thick of it and we can't see that. Yeah. What was it about? what was happening in your life that they recognized? Was it, was it the physical changes? Was it, were you like coming home and not acting like your normal personality or you talked to your mom on the phone and were snappy with her? Like, what was it that they recognized? That's a great question. I don't even know that I've asked uh, my mom and Mark about that. You know, I, uh, I know that part of it was just, it was all that I talked about. And, you know, one of the things I now know as a clinician from an educational standpoint, but certainly experienced is like it feels good when you're incredibly anxious to talk about it over and over again. You know, that rumination, if if anyone knows and loves someone who struggles with anxiety, we have a lot of judgment about people who can't seem to like let go of the bone. Um, But really, if you're struggling with that, and I was, it's all I talked about. It was this particular person that I worked for that I just couldn't, I would constantly come to them with it, looking for like a solution. So that obsession and rumination, I think, was sort of a, and I've always been an anxious person. I mean, you know, I can remember as a young uh, musician, like I would, it would take me everything I could do to like get on stage. And, you know, that stage anxiety was really prevalent for me. But um, yeah, I think that that was it. I think it was also the physical change. And just frankly, like, here's the other thing with anxiety or any any sort of mental illnesses and disorder or disease is, um, you know, when you have it, everyone you love has it. And, you know, I think there was a real worry. They saw the escalation of the behavior, you know, not eating, um, you know, struggling to sort of get through the day, um, not sleeping, um, and, and then eventually there was some suicidal ideation, which wasn't, you know, I never had a plan, but I, I did have the thought, and this is something else I really appreciate more people talking about of just like, life would be easier, or this, it would be easier not to be here. That That's what that is. Um, it's not that I had thought about how I would do it. It was just sort of a fact at that point. Um, not being here would be easier than going through this. And so uh, they intervened. And my mom to this day is like, you know, she has a she has a history of depression and anxiety in her family. There's suicide in her family. And she to this day is like, that was the darkest place I've ever seen you. Um, At the time, 
I mean, this is sort of the sickness, right? Over-functioning women, which is now mostly the audience that I work with in my leadership programming and also in my clinical work. Um, you know, we can do it all. And we don't know, you know, the limit until we're right up against it. And that's why I think being in community is so important because, you know, part of my goal when I first became a therapist was to help raise the bottom for other people. Like, you don't have to bottom out. But, but, but you really do. Uh, and that's the hard part. It's like that desperation and pain was a gift. Um, so in any case, I think it was those, those things that really had them thinking like, we got it. We got to step in. Mm-hmm. That's like I said, that's so great that you have that support system around you. Your mom, she's a retired yeah. teacher. Yes. And I feel like teachers are always the most caring, supportive. I mean, teachers go into teaching not for the money, right? They go into it to change the world. What mm-hmm. sort of inspiration has your mom been throughout your life? Oh, Tim, are you going to make me cry? I love, no one's ever asked me about, well, one time someone asked me about my mom. My mom and I have been through it together. So I say this for for sons and daughters all over the world. It's like, you know, relationships can change. So if you're in a spot where, you know, you wish it were different, it's possible. It just is. And I think um, my mom taught me a lot about independence. uh, And she taught me a lot about the importance of asking questions and staying curious. Um, And that is definitely the teacher in her, Uh, you know, sort of this, this interest in learning and, and staying sharp and staying connected to social justice. I just started an organization this past season back in June, especially after uh, Ahmaud Arbery being murdered. and, And then, you know, of course the series after that called the justice marathon. So it's this, this organization that really gets to the heart of, you know, staying committed to, you know, ending systemic racism, which is a lifetime's work. And she said to me, my mom was on the front lines in the 60s, you know, protesting. And oh, wow. she's like, I, I just didn't know that you would be uh, an activist. Now, I don't identify as an activist. I ac- identify as sort of a community builder. Um, but you know, she, she really taught me about fighting, (laughs) which, which is really like, you know, women are so enculturated, um, to be givers, to be nurturers, to sort of be, um, be still be quiet and be available. And I think she, at the time, you know, when I was a kid and in my teen years, it was like, mom, why are you so loud? You know, why do you always like, you're making it weird for me. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now as an adult, I'm like, thank you. Because she was such an incredible role model for having a voice and using it. Um, and she did that in her classroom, too. She was a tough cookie. She, Ruth Foley, my mom, is a woman you want on your side. And, <laughs> and I, I would just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, I love that. She sounds yeah. like a fantastic woman. She is. Yeah, she's great. You wrote um, in that original passage I was reading, you also wrote that in the years that followed, you know, you kind of leaving the PR career, you were wholly unfulfilled. You were working, but not doing your work. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was such a a beautiful phrasing that you weren't doing your work. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? Did you mean literally your career or did you mean more of like your life's work or both? Yeah. 
I didn't really know how to do the, I meant, I meant my life, like the work of living. Um, and, you know, I think you're probably of the mindset too, of like, uh, aspiring to like integration, you know, and having work and family and love and life kind of all be, I've listened to some of your podcasts. I know, you know, I know where you're coming from. I mean, the name of the podcast gives a lot away, but I think because <laughs> that compartmentalization is exhausting. So I think what I had never thought about is who am I absent um, a, a progressively successful career that is delineated by achievement. I mean, who am I? Cause I've just left this industry and PR is so beautifully built. It's like, it's for achievers, right? It's like first year this, and then you're senior this, and then you're executive that, and then you're, you know, and you can be like, oh, so I've arrived. Yeah. Meanwhile, your ladder is like leaned up against a wall that you didn't even really want to be climbing, you know? So I was grateful for the gift of falling back down to the dirt. Um, but the work then became like, I don't want to do that again. And, you know, I was 31 or something like that, maybe 30, maybe 29, something like that. Um, and, you know, I had never really asked that question. My parents were great. You know, they really always said, and this was common for our generation, you know, you can be anything you want to be. Um, they didn't get that message, but we started to get that message, uh, some of us anyway. Um, and, you know, it was either you just can't be a teacher or a police officer. And so it really was like, they didn't want me to be a teacher because they were both teachers and they knew the bureaucracy. That oh, is I the was Chicago curious Public. why those two were excluded from the options. Yeah. And lo and behold, like I'm literally on Zoom all day in front of crowds ranging between, you know, 12 to 75. So who, who, who knew I would come <laughs> full circle? Um, but I, yeah, so this work of like, who am I uh, was a slow build from there. And it was a reckoning that I think, again, a lot of people are going through right now because we're, we're so, I know a lot of people doing audacious things like quitting jobs without plans right now. Um, you can always blame it on the pandemic, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was the work of who am I? And I think what I discovered over the course of the next, you know, 10 years, really, I mean, it has been a slow build back up to a place of kind of confidence and conviction, but slow and steady is that, you know, I am someone who uh, like is, is really good at asking questions and staying curious like you. I love that you lead with curiosity um, and also creating these communities where people can feel safe and start to let go of their, their shame and, and also, you know, find people that are like them in how they think. Um, and, and my, my life's mission is to end loneliness, but that, that's, you know, that, that process began very sort of unintentionally from deep despair. So that's what I mean by that. Who am I is a enormous question. And this is so not funny. I need a better word than funny. Um, I think it's meant to be that we're speaking because I feel like I've embarked, you said you're about 10 years in, I'm probably about two, maybe two and a half, three years in of the, of that same, you know, kind of an event sparking it. In my case, it was sort of divorce and realizing, you know, it's time to begin the next chapter of life. But that same question came up immediately. was, <clears throat> excuse me, immediately of who am I? Yeah. But that's, I, I, and, and I'm not suggesting you're belittling it. I'm just thinking, 
oh, there's a lot to dig into here because who am I? I mean, mm-hmm. there's okay, uh, there's the conversation of our society is set up to make that answer be it's your career. I mean, you mm-hmm. watch, you know, I love Ellen's Game of Games. I love that show, but I despise how she says, who are you and what do you do? You know, they, they put it on the lower third. This is Emily and she's a CEO and a therapist. Like that's mm-hmm. not who Emily is. Um, so I'm going off on a rant, but as you define yeah. or you answer the question for yourself, who am I? Where do you start? You know, I think about my own journey, but I'm, I'm curious yours, like, where do you, and if someone else out there just had a big life event and they're like trying to define who am I, like, you know, what, what do you do? Start going playing golf and different sports and find the sport you like or. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate tangents and I think it's just, a, it's the part of like being together that I miss the most um, is just being able to kind of volley and, and riff together and let it go where it's going to go. So thank you for this format. Um, you know, the, I, I'd experienced after my divorce um, a few years ago that it was really, in some ways, it's like, who am I? It's also like, who was I? Um, and I think about, you know, at the core of who I am, who am I? And that's the thing that I think over time, there's just sediment that builds up, you know, and there's like this true essence that's kind of, you know, in, in my clinical work, I, I work out of a, a book um, that talks a lot about like healing the inner child is what it's called. And I mean, I can just hear people listening. To, no, your audience wouldn't be rolling their eyes. But I, you know, a lot of the CEOs I work with certainly would. They'll be like, don't, no, you're not going to make me cry, are you? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Would, crying is a stress release. Let me show you the research on that. And I know you're stressed out. Um, but yeah, like who, as, as a girl, like the best parts of me, who, who, who were, what were they? And when I got divorced, and I, I still have a friendship with my ex-husband, and um, I have a great affection for him, um, I'm fortunate uh, in that way. Uh, you know, my mom said to me, she was like, wow, I've, you, you feel to me like the Emily you were when you were like seven or eight years old. Like there's something that's, that's now able to be sort of expressed. And it wasn't you know, my ex-husband's fault that that wasn't expressed. It's just, you know, life and life lived at, you know, sort of an octane and a pace that I think is compelling. It's like, it's fast. There's a progression. Um, you know, after I, I left public relations, you know, I started working in nonprofit. I made like no money, uh, learned a lot about myself, you know, and sort of, I think even then the sediment was still sort of being built up. And part of my story too, is I, you know, I work a 12 step program and I have, you know, a lot of familiarity with like, um, the power of letting go of control, uh, which is a like day to day battle for me. But when I do, you know, I get a chance to like really have, have fun, I mean, fun doesn't have much control involved in it, you know, have intimate relationships, deep, vulnerable relationships that are scary. Um, But, you know, there's an allowance for like, you know, we're just going to kind of honor the experience here. Um, And that's what we are when we're children. You know, there's not a lot of like, you know, it has to be this way. There's a lot more expansion. Um, So I would just say to your question about like, where do you start? It's like, I don't think back. Uh, reimagine 
and honor the fact that like you are also a product of systems that are set up, especially in American culture, to, to produce sediment. And, you know, I would say too, like I know I know senior partners in law firms and I know you know people in private equity that that maybe would identify as like, I know who I am and I like who I am. Um, so it doesn't mean like you got to be a therapist and like go through all this stuff. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Emo- you can, it doesn't matter necessarily, but yeah. Does any of that resonate for you? Absolutely. I, yeah. I think of it as like sort of starting fresh is too weak of a phrase, but like reimagining, like almost removing mm-hmm. all limits and all boundaries and any obstacles that you might have surface in your life or put in your life and just like completely like if I were to reimagine who I am like if tomorrow Mm -hmm. I just woke up and could do anything I want and spend time with anybody I want like what would that look like and like Mm -hmm. not you're gonna not like you're gonna get there tomorrow but like just starting to understand because I mean for me quite honestly this podcast came from that it came from I am now in the next chapter of my life and oh my gosh to your point thinking back to when I was a kid when I was a teenager when I was you know honestly just kind of before marriage and before I had children yeah. I loved being creative. And all of a sudden I wanted to turn that back on. And yeah. you know, to your point, it's like you start to it starts to help fill in the gaps of like, oh, this is part of who I am. I'm still I'm still a father and I'm still a son and I'm still a sibling, but I'm also a creative person. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I totally resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, not everybody can think back uh, solo on childhood and be like, yeah, there's stuff I want to extract from that. That's why I think, you know, part of, I have a huge care team. I have a team, you know, in the business and then I've got like a care team and that includes, you know, my sponsor. It includes, you know, my therapist. I have a coach. I, I, I really thrive. And I think this is part of the instruction for, you know, leaders for for human beings is I really thrive on um, conversation and feedback. Uh, and really, you know, one of my core beliefs is like, you can't know yourself by yourself. Like I can only see like certain facets. And so I have needed the help to um, sort of get to some truth for me about what works and what doesn't. And at the same time, Tim, this is the cool part. I'm also like, Oh my God, I have so much to learn. Um, (laughs) you know, that humility of like, wow, I really, I mean, I just, it's a, it really is daily care and feeding of like this, who am I question? And you know, some people will be like, but I have work to do. And I'm like, I know. And why isn't this a line item in your budget? Just like, you know, your Netflix subscription. Um, I, Brené Brown recently, I'm sure you love her too. And her Dare to Lead podcast is finally talking about how leadership is like as sort of uh, has as much gravitas, like leadership of a team, leadership of self, um, as, you know, sustaining a marriage and raising children. And we've always put like leadership below those two things is somehow you're supposed to like guide a team or like shape your work or like, and just like, get an MBA, like, forget about it. (laughs) And it's like, no, it really is a privilege to be in a position where you get to, you know, affect people's lives. Um, And if, if, if you're in a place of like, I hate it, that's like, well, then don't do it. You know, (laughs) like, just don't. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to. Um, so anyway, 
I went on a tangent that time, but. Oh, no, I'm a fan of tangents, too. <laughs> you, it reminds me of you just mentioned earlier about how, you know, sort of the things we can't control, letting them go. And that's you mentioned you struggle with that. I struggle with that. I did. And I, I still do. I'm better. Like you said, it's a daily thing. But it's also I wonder, I think about myself and what you just highlighted is the things we can control. I've, mm-hmm. I wonder if sometimes we don't focus in on those. Like maybe we mm-hmm. are too focused on the not control. And then we, we think, all right, let's, let's, I can't control it, let it go. But let's take that focus now and put it on the things I can control, those levers I can pull in effect. That's where I can, you know, like if it's a situation or a job you don't like, or if it's, you know, mm-hmm. you want to get into this field or you want to be, you know, pursuing this relationship. So I, yeah. do, do you, do you find yourself focusing more on things you can't control is that all or is that also like a daily thing like reminding yourself like hey those are the things i can go after and actually have an impact on yeah uh i i think that the key thing for me to be able to even uh kind of understand whether i'm in control or self-will or if i'm in sort of like service and like greater good being of help is not so much the effort because i think both of those things take effort. It's it's if I'm moving too fast, and I you know what this feels like, and I know what this feels like. It's like uh, for me and my body, it's like I feel really clenched. You know, <laughs> like I'm going really fast. I don't stand a chance of um, kind of navigating like that which I can't control, and I obsess about that part then. But if I if I move a little slower, if I create a little space in between like this meeting, this conversation, this coffee, this whatever throughout the day, then I can really like come into it with intention. It's like 15 minutes before I logged on with you, I didn't have anything booked. I was like, let me listen to Tim's voice. Like, let me like remind myself, I listened to a couple of, like, let me just remind myself, let me like get in a space for this. And that's not just to honor you and respect to you. It's also because I think of, of, of conversations, especially that are going to be put out into the world as like, I want it to be of service. I want it to help. And so, you know, if I'm coming in hot off of, you know, a coaching call or a client call, I'm probably going to resent this. Like I needed time, you know, and that's on me, like me choosing what my day looks like. And I don't, I don't have children. So I empathize when it's like, you know, uh, you have to choose, right? And like, you're not, but but the structure and the choices are up to us um, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, that's that also comes from a place of privilege and having means and having access to, you know, a bank account and everything else. So honoring all of that, you know, I think before I get out of bed in the morning, I had the thought this morning, the first thought I had, honest to God, was I don't have enough time today. And it's like that, then I had to sort of get into a mindset of like, I'm here to help today. Where am I needed today? Because I think that is that I can control. Like if I look at it as like, there's never enough, then there's never enough. Um, So for me, it's a pace thing. It's like, even in that, that decision this morning, like I woke up like, ah, and I was like, (laughs) boo, like lower the frequency. Um, and that's why I protect my mornings is because, and, you know, people look at me and be like two hours. It's like, I mean, I get up at 530, like I, I'm up, you know, 
Um, and I don't have children. And so I also think of myself in terms of being a woman. And I, I talk to a lot of moms about this. You know, not everyone can can do that. But what what can you do? And also that, you know, I do believe that we are all kind of one human being. Like, sure. so if I can and I can get centered and then get into my work, that might help, you know, my colleague, Andrea, who can't. You know, it's like, well, let me, calm is as contagious as anxiety. So like, if I can bring it, then maybe that's the service, right? You don't also have to do that. Allow me. And it's not from a place of like, allow me the queen. It's like, no, we're all moving as like, you know, one unit. Let me kind of, that's what I can do. I see that as a service, you know? So. I love that. Because I'm such a believer in, we each have an impact on everyone we interact with. And like, we can't control that. You're going to have an impact, but you can control the type of impact. Is it positive? Mm -hmm. Is it negative? And I love that you just are approaching this daily with like, how do I set myself up? Not even yourself. How do I set us all up so that I'm contributing a positive impact to what's going on? That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Thank you for doing that. If we Imagine if we oh. all woke up and, and rephrased the day, if it didn't already start that way, into that, that mindset. It would be fantastic. It would be. It would be. And, it, you know, I think I'm careful of like, it's, it takes, it's, God, it's work. You know this. It's just it work. Is. And I, some days I, I like you, uh, you had indicated earlier, it's like some days you do it, some days you don't. I mean, I think the net net is hopefully like trending positive um, and trending sort of contributing calm. I'm careful when I do bring anxiety or I do bring stress into a situation. I try and just own it. You know, and I find with my team, we just redesigned the website for the Collective Academy. And this was Jesus. It was like, I mean, it's beautiful. I love it. But it was so personal. I took everything so personally. And there were times where I was just like a jerk. I've, I felt. And, and what I do if I am that way is I apologize, you know, and then I change my behavior. It's like, well, what if something's coming up for me? And it was my ego was really inflamed. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's my company, right? So I sure. want it to be a certain way. And it was a really powerful learning process. But I think like never underestimate, you know, the power of a of a of an honest apology. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's been a skill that I've had. I used to live a life that I didn't ever have to make apologies for, which just meant it was really small. And I resented everyone and I had no boundaries. And now it's like, you know, I try and live a life that's bigger and vulnerable and sort of models like, you know, I don't get it right all the time. Are you kidding me? Um, And I'm, I'm careful to project an image that I do get it right or I have all the answers and I do have wisdom to share for sure and experience. But I mean, I, you know, especially with my my boyfriend, it's like especially in romantic relationships, there's always this like, oh. God, again, back around to the same issue, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I love to think about life as a spiral staircase. And this is not an original idea. I can't recall the, the uh, it's a, a nun who left the convent and has written a series of books about grief and life. And I can't remember her name, but she talks about, you know, life being a spiral staircase that it's like, you know, before you know it, you've gone up a couple of floors, right? Like you're moving into my 40s and right, and you come around to the view and it feels the same, 
like working on my conflict aversion, right? Like I don't like conflict, but you have moved up. You'd have a crude life experience. I love so it's this. A, it's a slightly different view and you yeah. have to honor your progress, you know? So there's just things we'll be working on for the rest of our lives, but you've made progress. Trust and believe. Yeah. I've never heard the staircase, the spiral mm. staircase analogy there, but I love that. That is a, mm -hmm. that really clicks. Mm -hmm. I'll try and maybe in the show notes, we can, we can give a shout out to the author, but <laughs> sure. yeah. You remind me of this idea that I guess just quite frankly, we're all making this up as we go along and not we're all making this up, but it's more, we're all learning as we go along. And this is something that I've become more aware of. And I try to remind myself regularly because I truly believe it. Like all of us, all of us, we're all human. <laughs> we're only human. Um, but and no matter where we are in life, no matter, you know, if we are really successful, whatever that means, or, you know, we're older, wherever we are, we're still just making it up and learning like nobody's perfect. And like, I find that when you, when you a sort of assume positive intent with everyone you meet, but then you b remember that like, they are still figuring things out too. Like, it, it's kind of comforting. Like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, wait a second, like, okay. You, I can relate to that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, you remind me of that, that that's just something I, I try and remind myself every day and I think is helpful. Have you, have you experienced that? Like, I don't know. I, here's where this comes from. Please tell me. In, in my life, I feel like I often assume that people, for whatever reason, I make judgments. I think we all are guilty. And I assume this person um, knows more than I do about this situation and they are smarter and they know what's going on. So I'm going to kind of follow their lead. And sometimes, you know, that could end up who knows, you know, maybe in the wrong way, but it's just like, if I would remember, no, I mean, they might know more than you, but also they might not like you could contribute mm -hmm. to this situation and help out. They're figuring it out too. Um, yeah. Did, do you ever kind of yeah. need that reminder too? Yeah, you know, it reminds me of um, imposter syndrome, which is, of course, I'm sure your guests have talked about before. I'm sure, yeah, you're familiar. Oh, my God. It's the worst <laughs> yeah. every day. Just today, I, I think I felt it. It's like, how do I? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. I know. And here's, you know, it's interesting, right? It, it, it shows up in uh, women and men in sort of equal number. It, I think the the manifestation uh, looks a little different sometimes gender specific because of, you know, cultural expectations. But, um, you know, I've experienced and, you know, at my the the gentleman who founded the company I now own is one of my best friends. Um, and I remember when I met him uh, six years ago, I was like, wow. You know, and he would laugh if he's listening to this. He'd be like, really? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I really experienced him as, you know, the expert and the charismatic, wise sort of guy who'd done this before. And, you know, I hitched my I hitched onto his wagon and, um, you know, I was invited. It wasn't like a leech. Like he was like, yeah, come along. Um and I learned a lot from him, uh, and I still do. I talked to him today, and we were talking about we we're talking about our own sort of internalized like racism, actually. Um, but I remember the moment that I started to think of myself as an equal uh, and offering something to 
And it was pivotal for me. It was a huge, uh, I got a chance uh, recently um, to interview um, Melody Hobson, which was like, what? Like, I, I, I don't even remember it because I blacked out. My, my hands were clammy. I was sweating. I didn't really hear any of her answers, but I, I managed to get through it. I'm such a big fan of her entrepreneurial journey and just her authenticity and everything else. But, you know, one of the questions I asked her, and this is one of my favorite questions, is, um, you know, when are, when are moments in your life where you had an opportunity to really observe your confidence grow? And like, what was, what happened and how, how did you know? And what did you do with it? Because, you know, I am, you are an accumulation of experiences and it's so there's moments sometimes where it's like, wow, I'm, I actually, you know, I'm expressing something here that, that is, I think usually when it's most codified and your confidence levels up is like, it's true for me and it's valuable you know, um, to someone else. And so I remember that moment. And I remember then kind of really having this experience of like, I am a woman among women. And I am a human among humans, like we are all human, right. And uh, I still, of course, have people that I look at that I admire. But I'm always sort of questioning, like, what is it that I admire? And what's wrong with someone knowing more or different than I do, you know, I really take a community care approach to like work, I hire people who, you know, have skills that I don't. Um, and I think like that is, you know, leadership to me, self leadership and leadership in an organization with a team is like, go be you. First of all, we'll you know, figure out what the you is and then outsource the rest. And that's where you get, you know, because people love to do things I'm not great at. Um, and I, I think like me trying to do it all, which was also, you know, part of the imposter syndrome, I thought that was the antidote. I'll just like get it all done, and do it all. And um, it's actually it's not benign. You know, the world suffers if I'm trying to do it. I'm not meant to do it all. I'm supposed to be out doing something else. And so, yeah, the experience of like, um you know, looking at other people and realizing like I have something to give um, is not a solo project. It's just not. And it's it's iterative. And you're right. We are always learning and changing and growing. I'll be changed by this conversation. Um, and when I interview you someday, who knows, uh, that'll be <laughs> I'll figure out more. I just stay open to this idea of like surprise and delight, like life on life's terms. Like I don't I think this year has taught us so much about that. I mean, you never expected that you'd be where you are now, and neither did I. Um, so I'm, I'm also mindful of like the importance of having a plan, uh, especially if you're in partnership, and especially if you have a team. Like, if I could give a, I, I say this a lot. If I could put a thumb drive in my ear and then put <laughs> it in my team's ears, like that would be great. Because part of my leadership philosophy up until this year, as a matter of fact, has been it'll work out as it always does. It always does. And I still believe that. However, if you want to share a vision with someone, <laughs> you can't really buy into that. You got to be able to like, be like, this is where I'm going. And that's just personality wise. Like I'm not, I'm not inclined to do that. So I hire help for that, you know? So anyway, yeah. Uh, wisdom that I have to offer, but also so much more wisdom to, to, to glean. 
That idea of I don't have to do it all is something that I definitely recently started to say to myself is okay. Because mm. I always mm. felt like, no, you you know, someone asks you to do something, you should know how to do it. You know, even if it's something you don't feel like you know how to do or you want to know how to do or you should know how to do, I mean, you, you can't reply no. And, mm. you know, like you said, no, it turns out the most f- liberating feeling for me was when one time I, I just said, you know, like, oh, um, you know, I, I don't, for whatever reason, I said, I can't do this or, you know, someone else would be better suited or I don't know how to do it. Do you mind explaining? And the person was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, in my head, I'm I'm picturing, oh, my gosh, this is going to be, they're going to, you know, be mad or they're going to be disappointed or, and it was just like, no, oh, that that's totally fine. Like, we'll figure this out or, okay, talk to so-and-so. Okay, I can do that. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't have to know how to do everything oh this is so mm-hmm. great and like you said then i could focus on this is what i want to be this is who i am this is what i'm good at i'm glad you brought that up because that i'm excited because it's such a liberating feeling i hope we all feel that yeah i was thinking of i was admiring the consistency with which you've produced these podcast episodes um and that you've stayed with it and that um, I know because I've sort of listened to people talk about like creating podcasts before and thought maybe even thought about it for myself that like a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't continue. Um, and I'm sure there's been times where you've wanted to maybe not, I don't know. How, what do you, Absolutely. What's, yeah. What's been your experience with getting into this season with it of how it's different than when you started in terms of your commitment to it or what it means to you? That's a great question. It's it's so interesting because I started this intentionally without a plan. Like normally I've done creative projects before and normally I would start it sort of intelligently, right? I would think about what tools I need. I would think about, you know, if it's a podcast or what guests and what the theme and, you know, I would start to figure it out what it is and what how it makes sense in the world. And this, mm. I intentionally didn't. Like I mm. prevented myself and held myself back from planning anything. And I said, you're just going to figure this out as you go. And part of that, I think, was, well, if you don't commit, then you can quit. And that's mm. okay. And I realize that now. But at the time, it was more <laughs> of like, I just want to see, because this, as we discussed earlier, was sort of like a creative outlet for me. And this was, I needed this to take me somewhere but I didn't know where I wanted to go and I'm okay mm. trusting, you know, creativity to take me there. And so it's ironic though, cause you're not the first person to congratulate me on publishing, you know, a podcast weekly for well, now it's been over a year, but just being consistent. And I'm so thankful for that and I appreciate it. But in my head, I'm always like, what else would you do? Like <laughs> I'm the type of person who just like believes in consistency and no matter what, I'm going to get it done. Mm. And not that I haven't, ever stumbled or failed. Oh my gosh, I have, but it's just so funny in my head. I'm like, well, thank you, but there's no other way. Like Mm. I'm just going to, you know, like I, I have to keep going. Um, but your original question of like, how has it changed now? I, first of all, having conversations with folks like yourself on a regular basis Mm. has changed my life for the better. And I am so thankful for that. And that's what keeps me going. And that's why I want to keep doing it. And at this point, I've told myself, I'm going to keep doing it until there's nowhere else for me to go with it. Until it no, until it basically drops me off and says, we've reached the destination that I can take you to. 
I need to let you go now. And then we'll see what's next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about the consistency thing. And this is, you know, I think this is, yeah, what's the other way? I mean, you know, speaking as a completely different composite of like DNA and cells over here, uh, there's a hundred other ways that it could have <laughs> continued or ended or, and that's someone who, who doesn't have, and again, this is where I know what I'm not good at. I don't have that as a natural talent. Consistency isn't a talent. It's not something that I'm necessarily even wired to do. And I've, I've lived a great life and I've had success in my operating system, you know? So it's like, I, I think yeah. that's why to me it's remarkable. And I'm sure to you, it's like, well, okay. And I do this a lot when I, when I work with leaders, especially and, and patients in my practice as well of just like, be mindful, like that you bring something that other people are like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have it. You know, that's why like Clifton strengths can be kind of a cheesy assessment, but I use it a lot, especially in leadership programs, because it's like lead with your strengths, outsource the rest. People are like, my top strength on that assessment is empathy. Um, you know, I think consistency is probably like in my bottom 10. And that doesn't mean like I can't do it. Of course I can. Like, sure. you know, I mean, right. But just the natural proclivities, it's like, how cool is it? It's like you would be someone that I would be like, come on my team. Because that, I don't have that. So I would, but I, I see the value in it and I appreciate it when I see it. It means something to me, you know? Yeah. Um, so all that is to say, it's like, you know, back to your question about like confidence. It's like, just be mindful and get to know what you offer because not everybody offers it. And uh, I, I don't mean to like all at once say like, we're all human and like you're terminally unique. Like, you know, you're not we're all human, right? So in our, in the way we uh, sort of think and believe, but yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's why it struck me is because I don't have it. I love that. I, you've hit on a, I suppose, a weakness of mine that I've, I'm aware of and continually improving on, which is I assume that everyone else out there knows what I know and has the the skills that I have. I just assume this is, this is being human, right? Like my unique experience is what I assume Everyone else has those skills, right? Everyone else knows mm. how to, you know, I, I, in the podcast world, for example, right? I'm part of Facebook groups and everyone's like, what program do you use to edit the audio? Or how do you do this? Or how do you edit this? And I'm always like, you know, I, I, I'm more of a lurker than a participator, but I think to myself, like, what do you mean? You just, you edit the, like it's standard edit, audio editing, but how many other people, you know, are, are editing audio, you know, or have that skill or learn that skill. And to your point, right. like I have to constantly remind myself, Hey, you might have something that someone else doesn't. So, you know, you can offer that and help with that, but don't assume that everyone knows what you know because they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm working with a wonderful uh, entrepreneur right now and uh, we partnered together for an amazing diversity and inclusion project with a large organization and she signs her emails. I'm here to help, comma, Meredith. And I'm like, I love that. I love because that too. Because it's, it re right? It really is like, and she is busy. Like, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. Two kids, you know, big business. And she does a couple different things. And, you know, even if I never ask her for help, just that she is offering it. Like, I'm here to help. 
you know, because we all, that's kind of what we, that's, that was the, the decision I made this morning. It was like, how can I help? How can I make it less about me and my self-centered fears and all that stuff? Like get out of my head. And, you know, before I logged on to hear Tim, I was like, oh man, I could, I really wish my day was ending right now. I mean, that's the truth, but that's the old wiring, the grooves in my brain, the old way of thinking. And it's like, click over into the, it's a newer groove, but it's, it, we're getting there of like, show up, have a conversation. You love this. Like I have, and I feel amazing. Five minutes in, I was like, Tim's awesome. Like, this is awesome. You know, so inertia is real and, you know, not being of service, I think we get into this, like, there's only so much to give when in reality, when we give, you know, it creates space. Uh, it might not be space on your calendar, but it is space in like your ability to sort of have like time and energy and capacity. I mean, I do believe that. So yeah, I'm here to help. Like with, like with you, with the audio equipment, it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you don't lurk. Maybe you're like, I can help with that. I don't know. No one will probably take you up on it. That's, that's my experience is like, I'm here to help. Please reach out. No one reaches out, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, I love that example of what we take for granted. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I've had the same feeling, uh, not for this conversation, but there have been conversations in the past and it has nothing to do with the person or anything, but just where I am in the day where I, five minutes before I'm supposed to hop on the podcast interview, I think to myself, I don't want to do this. Uh-huh. I'm done with today. I'm not looking forward to this. And to your point, five minutes in, I'm like, you love this. This is the part of the process you love the most. You're capable of producing the entire podcast, but the one part you love the most is just sitting in your daughter's closet (laughs) and having a solid conversation. Yes. I've mentioned it many times on the podcast. Yeah. The guests always do. Um, I, many experimentations uh, throughout my place, which is way too echoey with wood floors. I finally settled on a setup in my daughter's closet that provides. I love it my professional quality audio that I look for in my head. I have high standards that only I care about. Yeah. Great. I'm into <laughs> it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I'm just reflecting. This has been such an amazing conversation. <laughs> and, you know, I will say as someone I'm, I get the impression, I mean, you said that you are, you have a, a solid friendship with your ex-husband and, you know, he's a part mm-hmm. of your life. I'm so happy for you with that as someone who went through divorce and it was very amicable. And I mean, I have children, so obviously me and my ex are always, you know, we'll always have a relationship and it's something we love our kids to death. Um, when I was going through the process, my understanding of divorce was it was hell and everyone hated each other. And that's how it's portrayed in the media. It's not how it went for me. And I don't know how it went for you, but it looks like on the other side, at least that you have a positive experience, you know, going forward. And I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, I I didn't have a lot of role models uh, for the divorce uh, and the and the 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 rebuild after that of yeah, women same. who don't have children. I mean, that was sort of what was I was experiencing, and like are actually thriving and and not uh, you know certainly in and out of the feelings, but um, you know, kind of like on their way. And that made me sad. Um, I was like, well, you know, Oprah isn't married. She's in partnership. That's someone like Chelsea Handler, maybe like, I don't, who, who do I go to? And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't really talk about my divorce much, not because I, I would love to. Um, 
And I think, you know, my involvement with my ex-husband is, is minimal, but it's good when it's there. Um, and I think that's a product of just being, uh, you know, uh, kind of like to the best of my ability, living with integrity, you know, and, and just having, I find divorce to be <sighs> courageous uh, a lot of the time. Um, sometimes it's absolutely necessary to protect sanity in abusive situations and all sorts of other, you know, uh, traumatic experiences. But a lot of the divorce that I've heard about and certainly the one that I went through, you know, it was a, a slow dissolution. And um, it was it was just very kind of honest and brave to not continue, um, even though I think he is great. Like, how do you reconcile that? Sean Galanos, who has the podcast, The Love Drive Talks, I heard it, I, I follow him very infrequently, but I think he's great. You know, he talks a lot about, it's hard when you really love someone, but like, you're not compatible. Like, what the hell do you do with that? Because it's like yeah. everything Disney's ever taught us is like, well, that's enough, you know? Um, so it's so, everybody's experience is so different. And, you know, I do, I do find that when uh, there's women in my life and, you know, they, they're maybe in pre-contemplation or, you know, I have a couple of patients maybe, or even people in my leadership programs, if I, if I share that I'm divorced and I, you know, I, I have, you're reminding me like it's part of, you know, what people might, I, I, maybe I could help. Um, so thank you. Uh, that, yeah, to create a safe space to just have, have, have it illuminated that there's another way. Um, and just share my experience, you know, not to judge anyone else's, but my experience was pos positive and, and sad. Um, and I, it sounds like yours was too. Um, and off we go, you know, like the work continues. <laughs> <laughs> it, does. it didn't solve everything <laughs> who knew it's an inside job damn it damn it yeah it's an inside job no doubt about it i will say and i know you know this but definitely do what's ever comfortable for you but as someone you know part of why i was able to and i do think in many situations and, and i think in mine it, for both of us it was courageous and brave to do it and to start the next chapters of our lives but part of the reason I was able to do that was hearing the stories of others. Because like you, I had no role models. I had no idea about any of this. And when I started to learn of people in my circle and degrees away that had come through it the other side successfully, mm -hmm. that's what was able. So if you are comfortable, I would so encourage you to share your story so that, you know, you it's this beautiful world we live in now where you don't know who's listening and yeah, you might... <laughs> You know, they might be the next person that's able to successfully get through a, a divorce because that's what's best for them and their partner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Emily, thank you so, so much for chatting. <laughs> I am, we could chat forever, but I want to respect your time and I'm just so thankful. This has been such a great conversation. Mm, thank you, Tim. You are, uh, you are a treat and a, it was a pleasure. Really. You're very, this is what you should be doing. Um, no doubt about it. Who, I mean, independent of sort of format context or what happens next, keep going because you've actually, you've really helped me. You've got me thinking about a couple things that are, um, part of my story that I haven't claimed, uh, in a while. So thank you for that. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. 
Before you go, I would love to know what you had for breakfast this morning. Just send me an email, tim at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, and let me know what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.